This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Today, ISIS claimed responsibility for the mass shooting on the Danforth. Obviously, that has to be confirmed. And right now, Toronto police say there is no evidence to back that up. They do know where the shooter got his gun. It apparently came from his brother, who is well known to police because of gang involvement. And they say that was an illegal gun. Yesterday, here on Fight Back, we got a huge response when we questioned the statement purported put out by the shooter's family, claiming that Faisal Hussein suffered with incurable mental illness for his entire life. It was just strange to me that a family of very modest means could come out with a polished professional statement at the moment the identity of the gunman, their family member, was released. Now, the Toronto Sun has uncovered the identity of the person behind that statement. It's Mohammed Hashim, a full-time organizer for the Toronto and York Region Labour Council. His social media accounts show him heavily involved in supporting NDP candidates, both federally and provincially in Ontario. He's also described as a driving force behind the National Council of Muslims. He is is described as someone who is reportedly committed to, quote, framing a new narrative of Muslims in Canada. So the numbers to call, a lot of people could not get through yesterday, 416 360 0740 toll free 1866 744 740 and right now I am here with Brian Pasifume a Toronto Sun reporter hi Brian thanks for joining us thank you good afternoon good afternoon so uh did did you actually get that statement because apparently it was sent only to selective media outlets I wouldn't imagine that the Sun would be one of them that's correct we weren't we um uh, Anthony Fury, our, our, one of our columnists at the, the Toronto Sun, was uh, the one who kind of tracked it down because he came to question me at my desk yesterday and asked me where the statement came from because I was working during then and it just kind of materialized on, on Twitter around probably about five, ten minutes after the SIU released uh, released uh, Faisal Hussein's name. And I had told him that I wasn't, I, I don't know, it, it just sort of appeared on Twitter, it came out of the either. Um, he was able to track it down. He tracked down uh, the, the the gentleman who who sent it out. Uh, he contacted. Uh, we contacted him. Uh, he told us, in, as you read in the column, in no uncertain terms, he's not interested in talking to us. Took exception with some of our coverage, which uh, is uh, kind of an, a, a sort of a ludicrous accusation. And it pretty much went from there. He refused to um, give us really inf- any information about who the family members he was who spoke to him. Um, or pretty much anything aside from what we had already. It it's very interesting. I mean, it's it sounded like there was a, a a great big family behind this. We know, I mean, some very tragic circumstances 
in uh, the shooter's family. His father suffers with Parkinson's disease and is in and out of hospital. His sister was killed in a car crash and his brother is now in a coma because of a drug overdose. So I believe he lives with his mother and and that's it. it. And you can imagine that, um, you know, a woman in a very modest means immigrant family would not have put together that kind of a polished, basically, crisis media response. Right, and especially so soon after the SIU released the name, that was the kind of set off a few alarm bells with some people, especially since there was no real um, idea of where this came from. It just kind of appeared. Um, same thing yesterday, last night, when they released the photo of um, of, 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 of Faisal Hussein. Um the information is, is sort of coming from from unusual channels, and one of the things that we have to do in the media is we have to make sure that these are coming from legitimate sources. Because in today's connected society, it's so easy to to put whatever information you want out there, and it's you know people these days seem to have no problem believing whatever they read on Facebook or Twitter or the internet. So it's it, it really is incumbent on us to make sure that we have all the information that we get tested and backed up and stood up and make sure that we're actually reporting truthful and factual information. Well, it, it's really interesting. You know, the mayor just said, well, we should make sure that we just listen to police, but they aren't really releasing very much of anything. And in the absence of that, all kinds of these things are popping up, mm-hmm. even with... So we are told that he did have some interactions with police with mental health issues. On the other side, we had people who knew him saying, well, you know, he, he wasn't, uh, you know, he was, he was functioning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, and that's the problem with this, this sort of, the sort of uh, vacuum of information that comes out of these sort of things. When, if, when the authorities decide to withhold information, decide to hold back on information, people will fill in the blanks with whatever they like, whatever they, whatever fits their their narrative, whatever fits their their beliefs. And you know, a lie that's that's bounced around long enough will become truth. And that's kind of the sad. Um, I guess commentary in our society these days that people are so desperate for information, and that's one of the things that me and a lot of other people in the media try to stress to officials is that if you're not forthcoming with information, the in, then people will start believing whatever they hear first. Well, you know what? Honestly, these days I'd say a lot of people will believe it anyway, even if no matter who releases the information, right, there right. a lot of people are in their own echo chamber, and we are trying to sort it out. Right. And there is, uh, sadly, a lot of political correctness mm-hmm. surrounding this. Um, I'm going to give the numbers out again. As I said yesterday, when we first broached this, uh, the, the lines went crazy, and we weren't able to take all those calls. The numbers to call, 416 Toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm here with Brian Paspume. He is a Toronto Sun reporter who has been working on this story. And uh, the Toronto Sun uncovered the force behind this. Actually, what people are saying is a brilliantly crafted statement from the family regarding the shooter. Uh, uh, The statement said that he had suffered from mental illness his entire life, that the treatments did not work, and their hearts were, quote, in pieces over the damage that he had done. Uh, So, um, you know, it's very interesting. Another one of your colleagues, Christy Blatchford, who writes in the National Post, I thought she had a very interesting take on this, uh, where she said basically his motives 
probably a little bit of everything. Did he have me- mental illness? She talked to the cops. Yes, probably. But that in itself is not a cause for this. Did he have some connection to gangs? Yes, on the periphery. And, and did he have some connections to extremists? Well, very possibly. Uh, there, there's There have also been uh, reports, and oddly, Americans have been out ahead of us on this, uh, saying that he spent time in Afghanistan or Pakistan, that there was a connection there. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and as I mentioned before, is that with, without any sort of a lack of real information coming from officials, people will, will fill in whatever they want. There's been a lot of photos and videos and information that I've seen floating around social media that people have sent to us and that I've seen, you know, just in my daily social media moving around. Um, there, there really is a questionable origin. There's been some videos of, of, um, of people of what look like jihad, jihadists holding machine guns, wearing sort of um, uh, sort of looking like they just stepped right out of like you know mice's central casting and, and purporting it's him it could very well be could very well not but it's the problem is is that all that information is out there and people are going to believe it whether they like it or not and that's and, and that's kind of the, the the challenge of not only us as, as as journalists but also the investigators as well as sort of separating the wheat from the chaff when it comes to what what's right and what isn't uh, well, and what have you found? I mean, much has been made of the fact that sometimes when these things happen, the American media is out ahead of us mm-hmm. because they don't have the same kind of constraints. Uh, what do you make of their reporting? I think that um, you know, I, I think when it comes to I have a lot of colleagues, a lot of friends and colleagues in the states, and we sort of compare notes when it comes to how we how we um, how, how we do our jobs. I used to work for the Calgary Sun. I was a crime reporter out there, and just compared to the amount of access of information that they have compared to us, it's night and day. Like they have a complete access to records and information that we could never dream of here. And at the same time, I think that um, a lot of the media here in Canada is kind of constrained as to what they choose to and not to report when it comes, especially when it comes to things like political correctness and ideology. But, um, you know, it's, I, I think that um, American media is sort of showing that, uh, you know, they're, they're a little bit more fearless and a little bit more, um, have access to a lot more information than we do, especially when it comes to things like national security. And have you been able to track down any credible connections? So just, just to recap, ISIS this morning claimed responsibility for the attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes after Ralph Goodale said that he was not on any national list, and the Toronto police chief has said that there is no evidence to support that. And, and you know what? Uh, ISIS is not exactly a trusted sto- source. It's another piece of the puzzle, but just because they say so doesn't mean it's true. Right. If, if they were able to, ISIS would, would claim responsibility for me spilling coffee on my shirt this morning. You know, anytime that there's any sort of a, a horrible tragedy like this, ISIS, and it's it's it, it's something that terror groups have done for a long time when Al-Qaeda was big. Al-Qaeda would claim responsibility for whatever happened just because it fits within their narrative. It gets them because people like you and me see that and we, we give it attention, we give them its free publicity for them. You know, and, and them claiming responsibility is, is, is not, a, it's not a definite proof that they were involved. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely one avenue that should be explored and not immediately dismissed for whatever reason.
Mm -hmm. And have you been able to uncover anything on that note? Um, some of our other reporters have, um, some of their sources do suggest that, uh, that he may have uh, had um, ties. We know that he was uh, investigated by the RCMP or uh, law enforcement due to his uh, visiting of, uh, of uh, some extremist websites and things like that. Um, but those are just from, from sources. There's been nothing definitive that we can see. They say that there's no connection, but really it's, it's up to, I think time will tell. I think that uh, the, 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 the truth will definitely come, come out coming forward. Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Susan in Toronto. Hello, Susan. Hello, how are you today? Fine, how are you? Fine, thank you. I, just a, a curious statement. Does anybody find it odd that this young guy learned how to shoot a gun and had so much ammo? In the, even in the event that he, they're saying he, that he was, um, had mental issues, how would somebody get a hold of all that? And is anybody curious on who taught him how to shoot a gun? Uh, that Those are all very good questions. Now, the police have confirmed that he probably, he got his gun from his brother who uh, was involved with gangs. We can presume that the ammunition came from the same place. But yes, that's a good question. Uh, he seemed to really know how to shoot the gun, though I've heard that there have been some people who disputed that. He was able to uh, reload very quickly. Brian? Yes. Well, I, that night that it happened, my son actually lives down there. And they were all saying that he knew exactly what he was doing. Right. I, I watched those videos. I worked that and I was working that night and I was watching those videos as they were coming in. I've, I've, I've shot before. I've, 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 for many years, I've shot handguns and rifles, and and yeah, there is there is a sort of um, there is a comfort level that comes with shooting a handgun. There's things like That's recoil. Pretty scary. It is. It's you know the first time first so, time anybody shoots a handgun, you know there's there's always thing you always got to take in consideration things like recoil, how to operate it. It's it's not as like the movies you pick it up, pull the trigger, and then things like that. It's, you have to be comfortable with it. And there has been no. there has been reports that uh, you know that that his his, his stance was, showed that somebody was was familiar with shooting and, and everything else, but. But, uh, you know, it's it, it really, really comes down to 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 practice and comfort. So you're saying that as far as you know, he looked like he was comfortable. Right. Right. Anybody who's ever picked up a gun for the first time, especially if, you know, uh, depending on the, the size. I just wanted to mention that I just because I hear all of these things about ISIS or mental health issues. And I'm thinking, holy geez, like that night he knew cause even the police were saying he was very precise. He knew how to shoot that gun and reload it very quickly. Mm hmm. Yeah, and, and that is something that does come with practice. The first time you ever shoot a gun, it takes you by surprise. It, it really kind of jumps in your hand, and, and recoil is something that, that it, it takes a lot of practice to overcome that to be able to, to get and beat on your target. So, yeah, he, he's definitely, definitely, just from the video that we saw, he's, he's definitely not unfamiliar with, with handling a firearm. And I'm sorry, like my children, that when they lived with me, you would know what they have at the house. You'd oh. know if he had a gun and all that ammo. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if he had a, a brother who was involved with gang activity, I mean, we don't know if his family was aware of that. Mm -hmm. and, and getting access to a gun illegally is, is, not, is not difficult. If you know where to go and if you know the right people and if you've got enough money, getting a gun illegally is, is incredibly far easier than doing it through legal channels. Yeah, that's, that's interesting that people who 
are against a ban of, of handguns, which is something we'll be discussing in the latter half hour of the program, say that it, it is pretty hard to get a legal gun. It is incredibly hard. Like the, 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 the amount of licensing to be able to get to the point where you can purchase and own handguns, it's a whole other level, a restricted level license. It requires a lot of classes. It requires background checks, well, like, exams, just to be able to get the permit to be able to buy it. And then you have to have that permit to buy the ammunition. And, you know, it's any legal gun owner knows it's it's an incredibly involved, you know, and some would say intrusive process to go about getting the the, the the legal ability to purchase a handgun. It's not something well, it's anybody could wake up and do Toronto one. Toronto never had this problem before. Well, actually, uh, we did. There was the summer of the gun, uh, 2005. Uh, but yes, it's it's really bad this time. Uh, Susan, thanks for your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's go to Sandra in Toronto. Hello, Sandra. Hello, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. I actually just have a, uh, well, I have an observation. The timing of the letter, it's really suspect to me uh, when it did come out because, uh, like you had mentioned, it's very well crafted. It's almost like it was premeditated. It was like, okay, I've got this letter here just in case. Just as soon as the name comes out, I'm going to put this letter out. It's all ready to go. So that's the first thing that crossed my mind when I saw it on the news. Mind you, my heart was breaking for everybody on the Danforth and everybody who, who was caught up in that, that violence, that horrific violence. However, my mind just did a switch when on the news. Here's this well-crafted letter. And I thought, what the heck? You know, these people, it, um, not these people, however, the the people... Uh, that that wrote the letter in my mind i automatically went to i thought english was their second language how could they get their pronouns and their prepositions and you know the commas everything in correct grammatical order it was like just blew my mind however i went back to obviously feeling for for the families i have a friend also who is from india and we as soon as she heard about it we phoned she phoned me and she was talking and she moved over to canada 20 years ago uh, or 19 years ago it was a while ago from uh, America because she had settled in America and she moved over. And she, the first thing she said to me was, oh, my God, who's the name? What's the name? I said, I don't know. And she goes, I hope it's not somebody from South Asia. I hope it's not a South Asian name. And as soon as she said that, I, I kind of reminded her. I said, you know what? Um, you've got you've to be logical about this, using your common sense. People who do immigrate, you know, from war-torn countries are bringing their trauma over. You know, it's not like, you know, the trauma just disappears once they cross uh, onto Canada. We, we, don't, we don't know. Uh, do we know where he was born? I think he was No, I think he's Canadian-born, yeah, but that was one of the comments that came out of my conversation with my friend. So I'm just saying, you know, you know, historically, I mean, like, the trauma does come over with the immigrants. It doesn't automatically disappear. But the letter, again, it was like, it was really suspect to me. Okay. Thank you, Sandra. Wow, yes. Um, but we've already identified the person behind that letter. Uh, the Sun has identified, and it is this organizer, a professional organizer who works for the Toronto and York Region Labor Council. And you can only imagine, I mean, the way it worked was 
the police were in contact with the family about releasing his name and the timing of that, and a lot of people noticed that it actually took a very long time. Right, because what happened? Really, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Yeah, what happens is like the, the SIU is is in charge of that part of the investigation because you know he he died as a result of police interaction. Whether and that's part of their investigation is whether or not he died by a police bullet or if he took his own life. Um, and part of that is is informing next of kin. So they did. The family, just as a matter of 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 of, of procedure, and just in, in in letting you know, letting them know that they're that they're that that Faisal had died, uh, they did get advanced knowledge just because of that. And really, the the real question is like, what did they do next? Did they immediately go to this uh, PR person to craft this? Did he decide to do it on his own? Did he contact the family himself? And and I, th- I think those are questions that really need to be answered. I think those are questions that uh, that uh, really that really. I think the public well, deserves to know. How would he have even, I mean, I don't know, how would he have even known he's not a PR person, he's an organizer, right? Uh, which is kind of a different thing, an activist. Well, he's, um, if, if you read Anthony Fierce's column today, he talks about how he was, was credit for helping sort of, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, and I might get this wrong, but sort of like, like this, sort of reframing the, um, you know, yeah. the, 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 the picture of Muslims in Canada, things like that. So he, he definitely does have some, some comms communications experience, which is, uh, you know, so that, that, that chain of, that, that chain of command between the family finding out and sort of the, the, the release coming out, did he offer services? Did they go to him? You know, it's that's uh, I think that's what uh, the, the questions people have right now about this. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I mean, honestly, when I looked at it, I thought, whoa, that's that's kind of a eight hundred dollar an hour crisis management <laughs> person behind this. You know, how is that? I've done communications before, too, in uh, sort of one of my uh, one of my many layoffs in this industry. And it's, it's it definitely it definitely is an art form. It is definitely something that uh, that uh, takes a lot of practice to be able to craft something like that. Okay, let's go to Joseph in Mississauga. Hi, Joseph. Hi there, how are we doing? Fine, how are you? Good, thank you. No, I only have one comment, which was watching the news, and they're showing the video, and they see, and I see him walking with the gun visible. I can't understand how come no one's seen him in the crowd walking with a gun visible, and he had to be comfortable to walk with a gun that visible. Well... How long was he walking with the gun visible before he started shooting? I don't think very long. Well, he was long enough walking that they got him on the on the, one of the video monitors. What I don't understand. Yeah, there was there was some video um, there was a video that released uh, last night that I saw on television that uh, it was maybe a three or four second video of a clip of him walking with what appears to be the handgun at his at, at his side. Um, I, you know, I, I couldn't, um, I, I couldn't put myself in the minds of people who who saw there. But you know, I'm just watching people walk walk along here outside your studio here, and if I wasn't staring at them directly, I wouldn't know if that was a gun in their hand or a cigarette or an umbrella or a can of pop. So it's 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 one it's one of those things that's very easy to. Uh, you know, to to you know, look back at, but at the moment too, like the last thing you expect, especially on a beautiful summer night in the Danforth, is someone walking with a gun in their hand. It's uh, yeah, yeah, because it showed the gun was very visible and he was walking so calm. So first time having a gun, I don't think I'd be that calm. Like I can't understand. He he had to have firearm experience. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, I agree. And like I mentioned before, like it's, it, it takes some, it takes some practice to be able to, to, to fire a gun and overcome that, that recoil and be able to, cause the first time you shoot a gun, anybody who's ever shot a gun, the first time you do it, it takes you by surprise. It jumps out of you. You know, it's like, I took Okay. My, thank you. Thank I was you. just curious. Okay. I'll come. Uh, he was never spotted. Okay. Thank you. Thanks Bye-bye. for that. Let's go to Suzanne in Oakville. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Libby. Uh, what has been preying on my mind since, um, well, Sunday night when I heard about this, and then Monday, about the mental health uh, situation, a counselor, I think a counselor Fletcher, maintained that, oh, definitely uh, mental illness will induce a person to do this. And, uh, of course, uh, um, oh, my God. Who was there with you that day, Libby? Oh, it was uh, uh, Ross McLean. Yes, Ross that, McLean, there, there was a bit very, of a, uh, an on-air fight uh, there. Opposed that, and I agreed with Ross immediately. Now, my question is: Have the authorities taken measures to approach the family and ask them for names of uh, mental health institutions where he may have been treated unsuccessfully? Names of professionals. Uh, um, who might have counseled him. Um, will that be taking place to disprove the mental incapacity here? And then, of course, uh, I truly believe that he was tied uh, with ISIS. Well, uh, th- there have apparently been interactions with police related to mental illness. The school apparently yeah. called called police at one point. I think it's probably a mixture of things. Even yeah, if he had, even if uh, it yeah. didn't work, the family has said uh, he had been treated throughout the years without success. Right. Who and, treated him? Right, and and, and that, that's that, and that's going to be part of the larger investigation that the police do. Like, no, the I police suppose go, not. Yeah, the what do you mean, suppose not? Brian is saying it will be part of the investigation for oh, sure. Oh, he's saying it will be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what this is where I was headed. Will it be? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know... The, I'm sure it already is, frankly. Okay. It's just uh, the question is if they ever release that to us and, and when, right? right. This and, is the, the problem, Libby, with if, because the police are withholding so much from us, and we, Canadians, have every right to know everything about every individual, including their race, including their beliefs. Uh, Ross McLean was just... Uh, Somebody had said, uh, hit the nail on the head. And we we ought not to be, uh, uh, I don't know, we're we're like sheep, actually, unfortunately, here in Canada. Well, Suzanne, the the other thing is that the police have to complete their investigation. Well, yes, and once it's it's completed, just like with the Sherman case, nothing has happened. We haven't heard anything about that matter. This case will be investigated, closed, and we will hear nothing further. Well, let's hope that's not the case. Suzanne in Oakville, thanks for that. What do you say to that, Brian? Yeah, I think that um, the, the police will do the due diligence. I have, I have every, I, I have every confidence that, they, that, 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 that the detectives will, will do what they can to do that. And, and they won't, whatever information they will release, they have to make sure it doesn't compromise parts of their investigation because we don't know what, what else that may encompass, what else that may involve in, in terms of um, you know, other aspects of the investigation, other other people involved is there is there some sort of a larger thing and and you know it's in most people's exposure to police work is you know watching a, a you know 60 minute show on tv you know sometimes these things take a long 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 time to to put all the pieces together 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.